Well, what's up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is Good Morning Liberty. We are at Freedom Fest in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Nate. This is Charlie, and we are sitting down with Keith Knight. Keith, how you doing? I'm doing very well, gentlemen. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate you waiting on our very unorganized nature and unprofessionalism beforehand. Just so you know, he's a very kind and patient guy <laughs> sitting here uh, with with this great book that I need to check yes. out right there. The Voluntarist Handbook? Yes, sir. So what's that all about? So these are the 50 essays that took me from being a progressive to being a voluntarist. I wanted to buy the copyrights for all of them and then make a free PDF available to anyone at libertarianinstitute.org. You see, the progressives will tell us, we believe in free education, and also we want to take 30% of your income every year to fund it, and textbooks are $500. At the Institute, we really want to provide the free education progressives pretend to provide people. So what I do is I start the book out by just listing off the definitions of the word so we can at least be on the same page with people. So when they say, capitalism is greed and profit-seeking, I don't know anything greedier than give me your property or we'll put you in a cage and shoot you if you resist. So greed is no, in no way unique to capitalism. As far as making profit, the state profits very heavily when it collects mm -hmm. money coercively. When, uh, not to mention all the soldiers who make money, all the cops who make money, teachers aren't unpaid volunteers. Again, we have profit seeking. So if you think things like the free market or capitalism, uh, that unique aspects of those things are greed or corruption or profit, you're not going to be able to see the situation clearly. So what I start off by doing is I define communism as the abolition of private property, as Karl Marx did, socialism as the institutionalized aggression against or interference with private property, and capitalism as a social system based on the explicit recognition of mutually beneficial voluntary contracts between private property owners. Once this consistent layout is given, then I have uh, essays from 1850, going back to Frederick Bastiat, early 1900s, Auburn Herbert, who really founded the current uh, movement of voluntarism. And uh, we also have original articles by former Marines like Shane Hazel, who ran for governor in Georgia, and uh, Shepard the Voluntarist, who was a police officer in Montana or Wyoming, I believe. So uh, yes, these are the essays that uh, I want people to check out. I have a collection of quotes in here from The Most Dangerous Superstition, Economics in One Lesson, Lysander Spooner's Constitution of No Authority. It's the one book that I want to give people to introduce them to our ideas and really make the case that it's not about big state, small state, that, uh, or it's not even about the black versus white, man versus woman, fake divide that the media and politicians are always pushing. A true divide that we can have in society is people who achieve their ends peacefully through mutually beneficial voluntary exchanges and those who do so violently. Those should be the villains, not the rich or the whites or the men or any other fake thing. That's why I think the book is important. That's really cool. Uh, Milton Friedman said, it's always the other fella who's greedy. Never us, right? Never us. <laughs> okay, no. so you mentioned something at the beginning of that, which is that these this is a collection of essays you put together because you went from extreme progressivism to volunteerism. Walk me through that. Like, what did this start out in college? Were you in high school? What kind of led you down this path to want to learn more? I was so young, I would go to Sedona to see my grandparents, and you can't appreciate the beauty of Sedona when you're like 12, and they were big advocates for uh, Barack Obama, and it, I had just seen that uh, the divide is between 
people who want to give us stuff for free, and then there's other people who don't care if you go without the stuff. So Obama's obviously a guy who's somewhat of an angel. He's able to provide things for free. No one else is able to do this. This man is literally Santa Claus. This is terrific. <laughs> we got to get this guy in the White House quick. So once you have that fake divide, you assume the people who want others to go without, well, that's evil and greedy, and how could you not support this? So Obama gets elected. We're all very excited. And then I was thinking, how could you not support someone like this? Well, it's got to be obviously because he's black. Um, turns out they were they hated Clinton and Joe Biden just as much. It never occurred to me to say, can I apply this criticism to the previous Democrat? I hadn't read Thomas Sowell yet. So um, I was like, uh, okay, this guy Glenn Beck, I guess, is like the lead Klansman who's really rallying all these people to hate a man who's just nice for a living. And Glenn Beck had an interesting objection to uh, the Affordable Care Act. He said, well, there's economic costs and benefits like there aren't anything. But what this bill has is something called an individual mandate, which requires you by law to purchase something, whether or not you actually want it. And at that point, I said, well, then I wouldn't support this law because people should have health insurance and people should read books and they should listen to Good Morning Liberty. But the question is not should they, the question is should they be forced to? And that's when I did not uh, support the Affordable Care Act anymore. Took me 10 years to apply that principle consistently and become like a voluntarist. But that was the defining moment that made me say, well, does this just apply to Barack Obama's health care law? It actually applies to Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security and compulsory education. It's like, when am I going to be willing to put someone in a cage and shoot them if they resist? Slavers, murderers, kidnappers, rapists, absolutely. People who don't chip in for a welfare state they think uh, has costs that exceed the benefits. I go, okay, well, maybe shame them. Maybe do a better job at making the welfare uh, system beneficial so people want to brag about funding it. But I wouldn't be willing to cage the person and shoot them if they resist. Once I started seeing things through that lens, I was just Ron Paul uh, all the way, and that's what uh, introduced me to guys like Stefan Molyneux and Larkin Rose and Carrie Wedler. Um, that was the origin of when I said, you know, I might be wrong about everything. Uh, that that was really it. Supporting Obama and the Affordable Care Act individual mandate. Well, so that that right there, when you said, well, I might be wrong about everything, there are a few people who have the ability to even consider that as an option. Because the uh, pride, or they don't want to feel bad that they uh, were wrong, you know, their own self-esteem. And uh, I, I'm assuming that you're someone who's always been willing to question things, clearly. And you've always, you know, looked for the truth. And uh, that, Taking responsibility, having some introspection. Is that the case? Were you no. always like that? No. What, no. Happens, <laughs> what happens is, is there are some places in life where you give yourself a really nice green light and you say, I'm totally open to being wrong about this, usually at the expense of a lot of other things. I was a drug addict at the time, mm -hmm. and if I was really willing to question things and see things clearly and just care about the truth, I would have been able to see that objectively. We all have tons of blind spots, and that's why it's up to you know people like you guys to uh, show people you know, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying you're ignorant. I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm saying you might have a blind spot. Doesn't mean you're a terrible driver, but in every car, there more or less is a blind spot where you just can't see. Same exact thing happens with the human brain. An another big red pill moment. 
uh, that stood out to me was reading George Bush's speech from September 20th, 2001. Bush is talking to Congress first time since the attacks. And he says, Americans are asking, why do they hate us? They hate what they see in this chamber right here, a democratically elected government. Their leaders are self-appointed. They hate our freedom of religion and our freedom to disagree with each other and our freedom to vote, more or less. And I had just more or less believed that. And then I came across two books, uh, Al-Qaeda in its own words, published by Harvard University, and a book called Jihad, Interviews, Speeches, and Declarations by Osama bin Laden. And it turns out there is a much more reasonable explanation for why people are willing to die, just as after 9-11, Americans were willing to die in defense. Turns out that it was a response to uh, a murder campaign that took place in the late 90s under Bill Clinton in Iraq, just as we see the, st the states of America as different parts of our family, the Islamic world sees the different Islamic countries as extensions of their family. So bin Laden was able to recruit people by showing them the sanctions that killed Iraqis throughout the 90s after the first Gulf War, the bombings that killed innocent women and children, the occupation of the land of the two sanctuaries known as Mecca and Medina, where they were uh, stationing the uh, troops to bomb. And just as Democrats flipped out over, there was Russian interference in the election. Of course, that was all fake. Imagine if Putin had troops stationed in America because Donald Trump told him to. Well, that would be such a huge interference. People would see it as a violation of independence and be willing to go to war over it. And then the third reason was that the power of the Israeli regime and the Israeli defense forces um, committed a number of atrocities against uh, Palestinians, especially the Kana massacre in Lebanon of 1996, which is what uh, got people like Mohammed Atta to uh, sign up to be a Mujahideen fighter. So it was actually reading the words and saying, you know, it turns out that as bad as, you know, as bad as these atrocities are, it's not, it does not uh, happen as a result of too much libertarianism and we just sat back and this happened to us. Mm -hmm. Turns out the opposite. This is referred to as blowback terrorism. Another case is July 12th of 2016. A man named Omar Mateen murdered 49 people in the Orlando Pulse nightclub, injured 53, and held the survivors hostage and called 911 himself. Barack Obama and Donald Trump came out and said, this was an attack against LGBT Americans, radical Islam is terrible. What he said is, America's killing women and children in Iraq and Syria. You have to stop the bombing, stop collaborating with Russia. This is how we feel, now you feel how it is. His statements couldn't have been more clear. No hatred of homosexuals was evident. And they still lied about it again. So this is a decades-long lie, and when you see such blatant examples of, there's no innocent explanation for either of these things. Um, that's what really humbled me to the point where I'm like, all right, I can't come up with any more rationalization, so I'll just <laughs> look humble and say, all right, I've been wrong. I hope to be right in the future. Thanks for everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to go back to, you said that during Obamacare, you were listening to Glenn Beck. Now, you, were you listening to him to refute or listening to him because someone else had it on? Like, how did you come about Glenn Beck talking about his objection to... Uh, the Affordable Care Act. It was pure curiosity of how could it, it would make sense if there were like five Republicans on the whole planet. But the fact that there's like tens of millions in this country that just don't care if people die. <laughs> how does this work? This yeah. makes no sense. I have to at least hear them out. So if you want to conquer something, you have to first understand it more or less. Um, it, I just could not believe what is it that he's saying? 
Well, it turns out that just giving the state a monopoly on education doesn't make everyone educated. You don't get universal smartness from state education. <laughs> the state coercively funds and monopolizes the court system. You don't have universal free justice. But for some reason, I thought they could do that with health care. Again, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, no, hey, uh, there's nothing to be sorry about. We came from the op other side. I mean, we were, I would say, hardcore conservatives um, who thought Obama was a terrorist, by the way. Um, uh, well, you're right about that. And the Antichrist. <laughs> well, just not that. Well, we he is a terrorist in a Yemen, kind of Afghanistan, yeah, Iraq, Syria. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah. I remember being excited when we first bombed Iraq, like in 2003. We, we is that when it was right when well we there had been about okay, well, sorry, uh, 12 sorry. years of bombings First, before that okay in 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 my history watching it on tv in school uh we watched that and i was excited about it and i was excited about that for probably 10 years before i started to question that it's probably because i was finding some ron paul videos on youtube something like that and so people can change that's an important thing for people to remember because today when you look uh, on social media you see a lot of people who are ingrained in their point of view, and it's good for all of us to realize that we were hardcore right wing, bomb them into submission so they can have democracy. Turn the sand in the glass. And that that kind of yeah. thing. And then we Ted have Cruz a awful, yeah. Awful then we have a progressive, stuff. and now we all probably agree that something like volunteerism is the best way. And I was going to have you tell us uh, why volunteerism uh, would be better because Republicans, you know, people would say, well, they don't care about people; they just want them to die. Okay, well, how would this society be better? And then I want to add my own thing. It's not that it's better is the reason that I support it. It's because it's the only moral system. That's why I support it. If we could make the argument that uh, enslaving people would make people more prosperous, I wouldn't do it because it wouldn't be moral. So uh, why is volunteerism the best way to do it? Yes, the people constantly <laughs> advocating the murder of civilians are terrified <laughs> that we don't care about people. Yes. Okay, but I'm going to pretend that they don't believe that and try to give a straight answer. <clears throat> The reason volunteerism is better, and that's the key word, because for some reason, I guess people hear perfect when we say better mm -hmm. and they go, well, what about this shortcoming? The problem is all of the shortcomings that can occur under volunteerism, greed, fraud, murder, kidnapping, those can also exist under uh, a state regime. The reason volunteerism is better is it doesn't have the double standard, the moral double standard, which says... Theft isn't theft if you call it taxation. Murder's not murder if you call it war. Violently dominating people isn't terrible if you call it regulation or vote on it first. But secondly, volunteerism allows for the ultimate check and balance in society, which all governments, by definition, necessarily neglect, which is the freedom to disassociate with bad actors. You want to give people the incentives and say, I wish you'd do better. I wish you'd provide better security. I wish you'd provide a more just justice system. But at some point, you have to be willing to withdraw monetary uh, support as well as the support of your time and attention. <sighs> Governments necessarily rule those things out. So volunteerism is not only the most moral system, but it provides you with more economic opportunities than you otherwise have and provides the proper incentives for providers of justice and security. Just as they'll always tell us, it's really bad if there's a monopoly in microphones because you'd have higher prices and worse quality than you otherwise would. Also, the state should monopolize compulsory education and monopolize guns and monopolize the court system. The same shortcomings apply, but they apply more so because they don't even have that uh, opt-out of funding them option that uh, volunteerism does. Those are the main 
issues. And even when it comes to something like security, we had a terrible breach at work where uh, an engineering company had a ton of ransomware. All of their property was stolen and encrypted and they didn't know what to do. None of them are voluntarists, but none of them said, we need to call 911, we need to call the FBI, we need to call the CIA. For the violation of their most valuable private property, they went to uh, private security, Google, who backed up their stuff, private security at PayPal, and a uh, private uh, antivirus organization called Sentinel One. We see private security all around us. When we go to shopping malls, when we go to sporting events, when I was at the Slipknot concert, <laughs> this is where there's a lot of danger in a very narrow area. <laughs> You'd think if there's any time we need a state, it's there. Uh, turns out uh, that it's actually in their incentive to uh, provide a safe environment for customers to be so they can get investors to invest and they could get bands to be there in return. We see private security all around us. It's always going to exist because there is consumer demand for having things safe and secure, your body, your time, your property. So that's why voluntarism is more moral and that's why it's more uh, economically desirable uh, to, in all aspects of life. Um, real quick, I know you have a podcast also. You said don't tread on anyone, Yes. right? Okay, could you tell everyone about that that's listening? This is a uh, podcast that I started because I felt that my time was rather disrespected in school. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I heard about Pythagoras' theorem, but it seems very <laughs> unproductive. And what I wanted to do was provide a place where people can go to my Odyssey page or YouTube or Spotify, click on anything and start learning immediately. Some of the videos, I did one the other day called The Gender Death Gap in hopes of refuting a number of social justice uh, assumptions about the world. Uh, some are two minutes. Others, I have one called The Ultimate Red Pill, which is five hours and 15 minutes. So I only put That's stuff- That's a book. That's I, not a podcast. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> I know. If someone wants to make a transcript of that, we yeah. uh, don't believe in IP, so take it away. I would appreciate it. Um, uh, the whole thing is to give people a place where anyone can click and start learning about history, economics, agriculture. This is also the goal of the Libertarian Institute and why Scott Horton was kind enough to bring me on board. Because we want people to be able to go to this place and type in Winston Churchill, Ukraine, agricultural subsidies, and get the freedom position. Uh, because we have centuries uh, that uh, many people have not uh, been introduced to. Centuries of thought that are uh, really vitally important, uh, especially... At a time like this, it turns out people like Pat Buchanan in 1999, he wrote a book titled A Republic, Not an Empire, where he said the most dangerous thing would be expanding NATO up to Russia's border. This could potentially provoke a third world war with a country who we just avoided a huge potential nuclear conflict with. The mm. Soviets finally fell because that stupid empire got bogged down in an unwinnable war in Afghanistan in the mm -hmm. late 70s. What empire would fall for such a that thing? Those stupid Soviets <laughs> yeah. in Afghanistan. Yeah. I can't believe it. Um, so once you uh, get introduced to that thing, the work of Scott Horton, John J. Mearsheimer, and Pat Buchanan, you see there is no innocent explanation for these conflicts that, uh, that, that we're getting into now. You see Lindsey Graham in 2017 going to the, uh, the fighters in Ukraine to say, 2017 will be the year of offense. We're going to Washington to make the case against Russia. Enough of Russian aggression, it's time for them to pay a heavier price. These people are constantly provoking the world wars, even though the right says, thou shall not murder is the center of my religion. They support people who are responsible for more mass murder than anyone else. The left will say, we believe in anti-greed and we believe in equality and dignity. 
the mass murder campaigns that the warfare states have given us make them the most likely to commit the very thing that they say that they're terrified of occurring. Yes, low wages are bad. Murdering those people is far worse. So we want to make this education free for basically anyone. Check it out at libertarianinstitute.org, mm -hmm. where you can also find uh, my podcast, the Don't Tread on Anyone podcast. I was about to ask you that, uh, you know, I'm converted. You converted me right now <laughs> and where to sign up. And you knew exactly that it was time to give the URL. So thank you. Thank you, Keith. Pleasure to meet you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I would argue that pragmatism is not always practical in the long run. If playing everything by ear on a day-to-day -day basis uh, makes people conclude that you don't really stand for anything, or at least not for anything that anyone can figure out and depend on, moderation is all right if it's not carried to extremes. <laughs>